Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, the number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tally Treese, and joining me as always is the great detective of the North, Colleen. How are you on this fine day? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. How are you, Tyler? Well, I'm doing pretty good. All I know is that if I was dying, I would not use my last seconds in life to type K-I-X into a cell phone. Yeah, that was an interesting choice, but hey, it ended up working. Sure did. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the revival of the dying message, part one and part two today. That's episode 172 and 173. Let's start with the first part. Boy, could you imagine if we started with the second part? Really throw all the listeners for a loop. Go out of order here. (laughs) We should do it one day. See how that goes. Yeah. We'll get a little crazy and wacky on this podcast, but I guess we'll start with the episode 172, The Revival of the Dying Message, Part 1. This originally aired December 13th, 1999. The Conan's hint for this episode, which I'm sure you remembered, Colleen, is The Sound of Fireworks. Yeah, I remember them every week. Conan's intro is quite... uh, Quite awkward this time. He says, Today, Sonico is back once more in a skate rink, a man, and a crime. Alright, so she is in a skate rink. (laughs) I don't think she's in a man. I hope not. And uh, I I guess she's kind of in a crime. She witnesses it. Not really. She witnesses it. It's not really in a crime. I don't know. Awkward. (laughs) Like I said. I actually thought the fan translation was like, relatively solid so this is awkward as all hell beginning is uh very odd yeah and even if it had anything to do with the culprit that would be incorrect so i don't know why they chose to add man in particular there the episode begins at tropical land and we see sonico and ron sonico looks around at all the single men and yells out they are here they are here yeah is this how you react, Colleen, when you see a bunch of cute guys? Oh, yeah, definitely. I shout it out like that. Like, Sonico's theme song is probably It's Raining Men. Ron asks what happened to Makoto, and Sonico coldly says that he seems like a samurai with a bunch of fresh wounds rather than a prince. Ever since he left, he's never called me. Ron says Sonico might get beat up by Makoto's fans if she's saying such things. But Sonico says she isn't the same as Ron, who's been waiting forever, holding on her hope for her husband's return. And Ron's like, I, I, I'm not waiting for Shinichi. And that's exactly what Sonico wanted to hear, because she never mentioned Shinichi's name. And Conan's just quite amused by this back and forth. <laughs> this was fun. I like this interaction. Sonico then says that Ron even chose this ice rink because she went here with Shinichi. Ron then says that she has no good memories here because she couldn't skate well, and Shinichi called her names. What a dick. Yeah. Um, I wonder how old they were, though. Not like that would matter, because Shinichi probably still does that. He's not as bad as Heiji, though. He's not as bad as Kaita. He's not calling her Bimbokran. Bimboran. <laughs> It's hard to fit that in with a one-syllable name. Hmm. Sonico would work. Bimbo. Son. 
but I don't know. I guess we just go Din- Bimboko again. Din- Bimboko. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> Sonica tells Ron it's her turn to teach Conan how to skate, and he immediately falls on his ass, which is quite funny. I wasn't expecting this. I thought we were going to see, like, little Conan moving around the skating ring like a you know professional or whatnot but uh yeah we didn't get to he didn't you know show us any of his moves so now i don't know if he can skate or if he just can't in his body we do see it later yeah a little bit yeah that's right sonica says kenan is always stuck up so maybe she'll pick on him today as ron helps kenan to his feet and the out of control woman skates towards them a woman, a secretary named Atami Chihiro, runs right into Conan and they both fall down. Poor Conan's having a rough day. Falling on his ass a lot. Of all the people to bump into, though, like, she's, you know, half, like, two times taller than him or more. <laughs> she blames the man she's with, a banker named Masawa Yasuharu, for not saving her. And he says that she decided to go too fast for an inexperienced skater. As this happens, another woman named Izumi Sano looks on and says, You won't be able to act all cute and get the attention of men soon. Chihiro, even an energetic lady, can become just another old hag when she turns 30. So, uh, where's the remember, Colleen? Once you turn 30, you'll be just, uh, just another old hag. Oh, yeah. I, I know that very well already. It's-, it's probably already, you know, on the decline. But that's, like, it just goes to show you how still in the 90s it was like oh 30s old where i guess now you consider 30 like the new 20 no no 30 is still very old it's not the new 20 nobody thinks that okay (laughs) no that is a desperate person like trying to come to grips with their own mortality trying to be like you you know the the 30 is like the new 20 i mean i'm I'm totally still (laughs) hip and cool (laughs) oh god yeah you might be right there (laughs) okay i'll remember not to say that when i when i reach the big 3-0 it's like i'm turning 20 again yeah this is i'm hip (laughs) uh polgers <laughs> Chihiro asks Izumi why she's always mean, and Izumi says, Just looking at Chihiro pisses her off. And then I was like, Well, she's gonna kill her. <laughs> <laughs> like, make it so obvious. But usually, like, usually Conan's good at, like, like. Nobody seemed to have as much of a grudge against her. No, yeah, but, like, usually the person that, like, seems obvious isn't the person. But like you said, nobody else had, like, any tension with her. So it's like, well, this person, <laughs> they probably did it. Okay. Another <laughs> woman, Kamatsu Yoriko, de-escalates the situation and says they're all old skeet shooting friends. Colleen, have you ever gone skeet shooting? Up in Canada, no, we like to shoot skeet. Have. Aww. Have you? No, I'm not from Canada. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm sure that other countries have this sport. I mean, obviously nope, Japan. Just, just Canada. They're Canadians, actually. <laughs> they, they don't in, address that. They're in Canada but... right now. That's, why they're, that's yeah. why they're participating in a winter sport. Ron isn't sure what that is, so the man explains it. It's just you throw like a bunch of white discs in the air, and then you shoot the skeet, and you go, I shot some skeet. 
and uh, then you politely <laughs> applaud yourself. Man, so fun. <laughs> Just yourself, not anybody else that you're with. Yes, yes, quite right. Yes, good job. Jolly well done, sir. The group shot at noon and they came to the ice rink and Chihiro mentions that it's the first time they've met since the accident half a year ago. Every group they run into, there's always this mysterious accident that's alluded to and it's always somebody died and that's going to be the reason why they kill somebody. It's like, (laughs) how many more times will we have the damn, oh, we're all bonded together by this accident and somebody's going to die because of it now. Like, this is the most overused trope in uh, Detective Canon. We're probably going to see this, like, maybe 800 more times. Canon asks about the incident, and Chihiro says it's a scary story. Another man, a firefighter named Oda Kinemoto, then tells her to stop and says he'll leave if she brings it up again. Sonico is instantly infatuated with Oda, and Ron mentions he's a samurai type, too. What do you think about Oda? Do you think he was a cool guy? Uh, yeah, like strong, silent type, I guess. He's a smoker, so obviously on this podcast, we think those people are cool, obviously. And um, well, yeah, samurai type. He has a goatee. Yeah, he, this guy's just got it all going on. Yeah, he leaves to have a smoke, and he's like, thanks to some idiot, I have a bad memory back in my head. I need some nicotine. And the other women agree with Oda, which upsets Chihiro, who says she doesn't like him. He's so cold and has the, such a bad mouth. He's the only one that's not part of the team. <laughs> she sounds so like a whiny middle schooler. Like, you're not well, part of the does. friend group. You're not part. And that's cute as long as you're hot. But once she turns 30, that's not going to be cute anymore. Izumi had a point. Yeah, that's what I took away from this episode. <laughs> Izumi asks what she meant by not being part of the team, and nobody else understands the statement either. And Chihiro says, I'll never tell you, Izumi, and she sticks her tongue out. Meh. She then leaves to go to the <laughs> restroom and promises to give a hint once she returns. Sonico then notes that more people have arrived, and Ron says it's due to the fireworks that go off at 7pm above the castle. Eureka says that's why her group came here, but Azumi says she'll pass on the fireworks and will be drinking coffee nearby instead. Misawa also leaves, saying he's hungry, but he'll be back for the fireworks. Left alone, Azumi complains as she wanted to go to the washroom as well. Ron says she can go, since she'll tell her friends just to wait here if they come back to the rink. She thanks them and says she'll be back soon. At 6.55, we hear Chihiro complain in the stall that they're taking too long. A person wearing skates then enters the washroom, and Chihiro opens up the stall. However, she's shocked at what she sees as the person is holding a shotgun. Sonica then decides to go to the bathroom, and she sees a sign saying, Washroom will be closed for maintenance. Please wait a short while. So, uh, a lot going on here. (laughs) Have you ever had any awkward situations where the bathroom was in maintenance, Colin? Um, I don't think so. (laughs) I've, uh, don't think I have any fascinating or interesting bathroom maintenance stories. I thought maybe you had one of those situations like last week where that woman held in her bladder so long that she had to go to the hospital. And the dude was just like. After that, I was like, hmm, I want to try that. Why don't you just pee? Come on, what are you doing? 
<laughs> you know, I'm a doctor and I recommend that you just pee. That's all he said. And then she was like, I will serve you for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm in your debt forever. How did that work out? <laughs> you saved my life. Okay, I guess you can come with me. Uh, you can kill my dad accidentally. I haven't peed in however old she was, 25 years. Just, I never knew how to pee. Thank you for showing me the light. <laughs> Chihiro says, Are you saying that the accident was my fault? And she says that to the masked person. Even if you hid your face or something like that, if you shoot me, people will come running to the sound of the shot and you'll get caught right away. Then she sticks her tongue out and she goes, Ugh. No, she doesn't say that. Be funny if she did, though. Gun in her face and she still has the same attitude. Yeah. I mean, that's ballsy. But obviously she she could see the person's face, so... Maybe that should have been one of our hints. If it wasn't obvious enough already, then that tongue-sticking-out thing would have been uh, another clue. She then remembers the fireworks are about to happen... While this happens, Sonico knocks on the door, asking if it'll be much longer. Sonico complains, saying she'll have to change her shoes in order to use a different washroom, as she still has her skates on. The fireworks then start to go off, so Sonico goes to the window to look at them. That's when she sees the masked person run out of the bathroom. Ron and Conan enjoy the fireworks when Izumi appears. She says she changed her mind, and then we see an out-of-breath Mizawa appear, and then Yoriko arrives. Yoriko asks where Chihiro and Ron's friend is, and Ron is surprised that she didn't see them in the washroom. Yoriko says the washroom was under maintenance, so she changed her shoes and went into a different one. Unlike Sonico, who apparently just decided, I'm going to wait here for an hour. <laughs> Well, Sonico couldn't be bothered to take off her skates. Ron then hears Sonico scream, and I like how she's discovered enough bodies at this point, where Ron's like, oh, Sonico just found a body, I know by that scream. <laughs> well, Ron's really just used to everybody's reaction to finding a corpse. Kenan then jumps down, and this is where we see him perfectly skate his way through the crowd. I thought this was for sure going to kick off the next series of like oh ron thinks he's actually shinichi because he can skate real well and he was <laughs> lying about being bad but it doesn't get brought up again in this episode so i thought this was like some no. huge thing because but it never didn't get brought up but i did want to note it because he goes from falling on his ass to expertly maneuvering through like 30 people in the crowd yeah it, it's kind of funny too because Nobody seems to be actually really skating. They're kind of just standing on the ice. So the fact that you get Conan weaving through them is uh, kind of funny to me, at least. Um, but hopefully we do get uh, an, a later episode that involves actual, like, a figure skating murder. I think that would be interesting because this one is actually not, like, the whole venue is uh, is not really part of the, well, Besides the fireworks, it's not part of the actual killing. Yeah, Sonica, what's wrong? And she points inside to Chihiro's dead body as she's been shot in the chest. And we see an S written in her blood. We then see Kogoro, who's just been outside in the parking lot, <laughs> sleeping in the car the entire time. What a cool dad move. 
to just be like, ah, you kids go have fun. I'm just gonna sleep in the car. I'm just gonna drive here. You spend two hours having fun or whatnot. I was so happy to see Kogoro. I had forgotten that he was in this episode, so I'm very happy that he's part of it. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be one of those, like, uh, sleeping Sonico detective episodes. Ron tells him a person was murdered in the washroom next to the skating rink, but a half-awake Kogoro hears it as the owner of a noodle house went to the washroom and tripped. (laughs) I wonder if that's just the... Like, maybe that's actually what he said, and the fan translation got it right. Um, Yeah. In, Either way, it's real funny. It's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave it to Kogro to have such a great. Do you, do you have the Do you have the manga up right now to where you can say what he said? I think they still use the tripping thing. It's just they make it sound like it was Sonico tripped. I think I don't know. They tied it in a little bit better with what Ron was saying. Um. Oh, okay, so yeah, in the manga. Uh, Ron says somebody was killed in the restroom and Kogoro goes huh did they trip on their skates and then that's when she pulls him out of the car by his tie so that's the joke yeah she grabs him they run inside the show him the murder scene we then see Takagi and Inspector Meguri arrive they call the murder scene a brutal and then spot Kenan there and then just as they expected there's Kogoro right there and I, like, you can just tell by the look on Megary's face that he's going to say something. And Kogoro preemptively, he's like, it's it's a fluke. Please don't get angry, Chief. It totally was, because Kogoro was in the car the entire time. Yeah, Megary's like, I can't even get mad at you anymore. <laughs> and this is going to happen so many more times. Joke. It, yeah, it totally will. And for me, I don't think it'll get old. Like, they've used it practically in every episode, and I still laugh at it. Takagi says the gun was the weapon. Wow, great. (laughs) Great job, Takagi. Yes, you did it, Takagi. Oh, brilliant deduction. Amazing deduction. The woman (laughs) with a shotgun blast into her body was probably killed by the gun. Good one, man. You nailed it. Well, well, you know... was it suicide though? We're not quite sure, but good thing Takagi knows. Yeah, my favorite way weapon. to commit suicide is to get a shotgun and then put it to my chest. <laughs> the ideal way to kill yourself. Izumi says that's her skeet shooting gun, and she says it was in an electronic lock along with the others and explains that they're all skeet shooting partners. Yuriko says she locked the guns away, but everybody here knows that the number is 917. Megary says they'll test their group for gunpowder, but Masala says they all went this morning, so they'll all test positive. Mazawa also wonders if they weren't locked correctly and that somebody else might have stolen it. However, Oda says nobody would think there's guns in an ordinary leather case. Sonika then tells Takagi that she saw a masked figure running out of the washroom. She says it was a weird tall person with a cloak, but their face was covered with a muffler. Megary says it was a planned murder and decides to question the group individually. Kogoro then interrupts. He's like, you know what? There's no need for learning information. 
I know who the murderer is. He says, it's you, Azumi. And, uh, spoiler, Kogoro was right. He totally was. He's not, this is not even a flex. He's got it. She asks why she's being accused, and Kogoro has three reasons. One, it took place in the women's washroom, so obviously it's a woman. Men can't enter them. It's like a spell Honestly. has been cast, like a secret magical barrier. If yeah. I tried to go into the women's restroom, it just wouldn't let me. Yep, that's exactly it. I I, I mean, I wouldn't know because I can just go in there. But um, Also, Kogoro is probably listening to this podcast a lot and just figured, well, it's always a woman, so I'm going to go with that theory. Two, they always argued and they hated each other, so she has a clear motive. Also correct. And three, the blood print to the left of the victim's face, the S there, it stands for Azumi's last name, Sano. Definitely not Sonako. No, oh, definitely not Sonako. Uh, but Takagi says is wrong, and he says, uh, she was shot through the heart, dude. She definitely didn't leave this dying message. And he's like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guess you're right, Takagi. Megury also points out that a man could enter the women's restroom if they cleared it out with the sign as well. So, so obviously Megury has not come across this magical barrier that we have already established is actually there. Megury then whispers to Kogoro that the S was likely left by somebody wanting to frame Izumi as the shotgun is also hers. Takagi then wonders why the victim didn't call for help when Sonicare knocked on the door. And that's when Conan goes... Alili? And he points out that there's something sticky on top of the gun. And Kagerail sniffs it and he's like, This is saliva. Let me lick it here. Yeah. Uh. Uh. So, uh, yeah, the, the gun was held to the victim's mouth to keep her quiet. With her death happening right as the fireworks began, Izumi says they can't be the murderer as they joined Ron at that point. Kogoro says it'd take less than 30 seconds to get from here to the rink, but Ron says they were all there when it f- when the first shot went up, and the second shot was no more than 10 seconds later. Oda is then asked where he was, and he's like, Well, I'm a cool guy, so I was, I was smoking at a bench, and I was looking away from the fireworks, because I don't care about it. I'm cool. I'm a samurai. <laughs> okay, I, I get the... Like, sitting on the bench smoking thing, but the fact that he's like, oh, I was looking away from the... Like, that's such a unnecessary detail. <laughs> I'm so cool, I don't even care about the fireworks. It could be <laughs> happening right by me, and I'd be like, no, thank you, I don't need them. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm cool. Colorful lights in the sky have no interest in me. He's the only one without an alibi, but there's no evidence against him. Kenan then says the victim must get cold easily as she has her hand in her pocket despite being threatened. Takagi checks and finds a cell phone there. There's nothing on the display, but Conan says, hey, why don't you redial? Takagi does it, and then the letters K-I-X appear, followed by eight pound signs. Conan has heard this three-letter combination before, but he can't quite place it as the episode ends, so... uh, Obviously, it's the breakfast cereal kicks. Yeah. They're magically delicious. <laughs> no, they're not. I have no idea what kicks. I mean, they were, you know, kicks, 
introduced 1937 by the General Mills Company. So, like, they're kid-tested, mother-approved. That's what kicks are. Did they have a slogan? That, yeah, that's it. Kid, kid-tested, mother-approved. <laughs> they're kid-tested, mother-approved. Okay. <laughs> in 2018, to be more inclusive, the slogan was updated to kid-tested, parent-approved. Because not oh, everybody okay. has a mother. That's right. And what about the fathers? Can't the fathers approve? Fathers hate kicks. <laughs> so they added a jingle, and I don't know the, uh, the like, how, how it should be sung. But it goes, kids love kicks for what kicks has got. Moms love kicks for what kicks has not. So, that's pretty good. Oh, okay. That's cute. I get it. Because they're not bad for you. And dads don't care. Daddy went off to get cigarettes. Mom isn't sure if he'll ever come back. <laughs> but hey, at least the kids got kicks. So yeah, that episode ends. Uh, the next Conan sent is five yen coin. Conan says, say something for the next episode, Sonico. And then she says, everyone calls someone on the phone more often. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is just so awkwardly put together. It was... Everyone uh, <laughs> calls someone on the phone more often. Who am I supposed to call? So, she, she didn't even say it in a humorous way to make it sound like, oh, she wants Makoto to call. Like, I thought it was like a, you know, message out there for everybody to be like, you know, call people more often. We don't talk to each other anymore. Like, I thought Sonic was had this kind of... Like, yeah, I thought she was like... Sentimental message. When's the last time you've called your mother? Oh, thank you, Sonico. I will call her right now. Yeah. So, Sonico, out here with the deep messages. So, Colleen, I have two questions for you. When's the last time you've called your mother? In a second, uh, what'd you think of the episode? <laughs> uh, well, I talk to my mom every day, so that's that first question out of the way. The episode, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good start. I mean, we get an interesting bunch of characters. Um, and yeah, I like. I thought it was really unique that the venue was at the skating rink. It's our first time actually at a skating rink with a ca- like a case at, having a case at a skating rink, and um, and they're they're not actually skaters, right? Like, so I alluded to this a little earlier, but. Their hobby is skeet shooting, so this whole case could have equally had taken place at a sh- shooting range, but uh, because of the fireworks aspect, I guess they needed to make it at, a, at an amusement park. So I just like the little twist there that it's not like, okay, well, we're out hiking and the the murder is actually like revolving hiking, revolved around hiking, whereas this is like two separate things. So I kind of enjoyed that. Um, for what it was, and then of course having Sonico there added, you know, the classic Sonico flavor. We have to have like her lovesick subplot. Um, so looking forward to seeing how that gets resolved in the second part. So I'm, uh, I'm for all for this first part. I liked it. Yeah, it was an entertaining first part. I thought Sonico and Kagura both had some good moments. I thought, uh, I liked, uh, what the hell did I like? I don't know. 
Ah. <laughs> uh, thought it was pretty cool when the woman got shot in the heart. No. Uh, I don't know what I like. Uh, it was good to see Sonico again. She's always a delight. Uh, you know, there's some... The mystery was solid. I I felt like I was pretty sure that the woman that hated uh, the victim was going to be the killer. But I wasn't exactly sure how she got back to the group in time. So, you know, there was stuff like that where I was like, huh. How'd she do it? So, there's enough of a mystery there to keep me going. So, I was intrigued still. Uh, let's go thank our Patreon supporters. I want to give a shout out to Jeffrey, Ryan Self, Spencer Young, William Lee, and Big Chief Mason. Thank you all for the support. Our next uh, episode on the Patreon will be a Valentine's Day episode. So look on, look out for that. Fun times ahead. Yeah, it's about a month late, you know, a month after Valentine's, but it'll still be good. So, yeah, thanks for your support, guys. Just in time for White Day. That's right. Which would have been better timed with the one that we just did for Magic Kaido. Well, hey. <laughs> we can't be perfect. No. <laughs> Let's move to episode 173, The Revival of the Dying Message, part two. This originally aired December 20th, 1999. Conan says, A message with a deep meaning. Crush the trick and determine the murderer. <laughs> the deep meaning of like, crush kicks. the trick oh yeah kicks yeah kick cereal that that's definitely what she meant also it, i think this might be the last episode of the 90s it is yeah end of an era it certainly is everybody's it's gonna be real updated next time it's gonna be like a whole different show that's right. Totally different animation. What if the show ended? What if this is the last episode? Y2K ended Detective Conan. And uh, we can just stop this podcast. So, uh, yep, we're packing it up. We had a good run. <laughs> uh, it's we good get while to it We never make it to episode 1000. Yeah, it's not like we have two more decades to go. <laughs> 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 Tyler, are you laughing or crying? A little bit of both. All the suspects asked to change out of their skates. They are allowed to do so under Inspector Chiba's supervision. So it's nice to see Chiba yes. starting to look a little bit more like himself here. Indeed. I, again, <laughs> did not know Chiba was going to be in this. So very happy to see him. Uh, and it's the real Chiba. Yuriko begins to cry over Chihiro's death. And Misawa comforts her saying the inspector will figure out who did it. Sonica looks at her phone, sees no new messages, and says, Baka! That's stupid. Uh, if you don't know. Now you know. <laughs> Whew. It's like she's still waiting for someone to call her. She's waiting for Shinichi's call. Ooh. 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 Conan notes that Sonico has the same type of phone as the victim, and he asks to take a look at it. Conan then asks if the sound of fireworks Sonico heard were really fireworks, and she says she heard a phew, and then it was followed up by a single boom. So obviously a firework. Well, that was really good, Tyler. That that sounded like I I had to look out my window because I thought I heard fireworks about to go off. Ron asks if Sonico changed her cell. 
And she looks away saying, uh, yes, a little something. Okay, Sonico. I mean, is that really surprising? Sonico's stinking rich. Karen says he has most of the trick figured out, but anybody could have done it. Eureka then begins to cry again and says she remembered the incident. Misawa tells Izumi that she's lucky as she wasn't there when the accident occurred. Izumi says she was sick that day, and that's when Yuriko says that she's done skeet shooting as it feels cursed, and she doesn't want to die from backfiring like Narita did. Kainu then figures out why Oda wasn't part of the team after he learns this guy's name. Do you have any clue of what that meant? I assume not so, because it deals with Japanese airports. But hey, maybe maybe you are a Japanese airport expert, and maybe I just don't know. I had no idea. I still thought it had something to do with him not being part of the club. The skeet shooting group. He then finds two darkened red points on the hallway's floor. He runs back to the murder scene and he spots a similar line of blood. He says he's found solid proof that the murder was committed by that person. Oh, always the criminal, that person. Yeah, well, he can't let us know at this point. But I, it's always exciting once Conan is sure. Kagero then approaches Conan, asks what he's doing, and that's when he whacks him on top of the head. I, I love when Kagero like, sets up Conan, because he doesn't care what the answer is. There's not going to be an answer where Kagero doesn't beat the shit out of him. He's just asking so he can punch it, man. It's so true. Yep, our uh, daily dose of child abuse in this episode. Takagi then tells Meguri that they found the murderer's coat in the garbage. As he goes to check with Sonico, he spots the suspects trying to return their skates. Kenan is about to put Kogoro to sleep, but the detective says he's figured out this case and that the murderer is Oda, the samurai did it, Colleen. Were you surprised? <laughs> I, yeah, a little. I was like, yeah, I, I don't think that's right. And you could tell by Conan's expression that it was wrong. Yeah, Conan just stands there in disbelief. He's like, Kagura, why are you like this? <laughs> Kagura says Oda tried to frame Sano and thought she wouldn't watch the fireworks. Kagura gets in Oda's face, and that's when Conan strikes with his watch dart. He reframes Kagura's argument as being what the murderer wanted them to think, and that they actually want. They were trying to use reverse psychology to get them to suspect Oda. So, so here's how convoluted it is. <laughs> the person put all this work framing uh, Izumi, but that was so everybody would then in turn suspect Oda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it seems like a lot of work. Well, I guess she had to put some... And you know who actually committed the crime, Colleen? Well, Izumi did I mean, it. we've known since the woman you know, five minutes into the episode. The woman did it, Colleen. Are you shocked? That is, I'm, I'll always be shocked that a woman is capable of murder, but uh, yeah, for the purposes of the story, it was pretty obvious. She uh, she was the only one that blatantly hated this person. Izumi decided to leave clues that would implicate herself that would then be disproven, making it look like she was being set up. She used this reverse psychology to, then people would go, well, it can't be her because all those clues are fake. So who's the one person that doesn't have the alibi? Oda. So that was her whole plan. It's way too obvious. Izumi asks how she was able to watch the fire fireworks with Ron if she committed the murder. 
Kegura says Sonico is fooled, and she didn't actually hear fireworks, but rather a gunshot. Conan then blows on a five-yen coin to make a phew sound, which uh, obviously sounds like a firework flying up in the air, and then she fired the gun, uh, which sounded like a fireworks after coming out, after the phew, see? Yeah, I mean, yeah. all our listeners are looking out their windows like, fireworks? <laughs> What's going That's on right. here? It's so realistic. Proof of that is that Sonico only heard one explosion, but the opening actually had three fireworks, which were consecutively uh, used to begin the show. Kogura says that since this was the only washroom where you can go in with skates, there's a high likelihood of there being people outside the room. Sano lured Chihiro in there by setting up an appointment. You know, as, as one does. Uh, I'm gonna, so I'm going to pencil you in for a, uh, let's say, 650 bathroom meeting. Okay, okay. Yeah, stall number three. Like, how could you not know you were about to be murdered? When does, like, anything, like, happen? Like, meet me in the bathroom. Like, there's no good excuse where somebody's going to meet you in a bathroom. It's either for, like anonymous gay sex or murder um or like i hate to say it but uh girls do tend to go to the bathroom in herds so like they could she maybe would have thought like oh okay she wants to talk to me about something while we whatever make sure our makeup is fine i'm being very sexist right now but that's like i don't know that's maybe what uh whatever her name was. I forget. Chihiro was thinking. She then killed her a minute before the real fireworks began and then, you know, ran out there and watched them thrown. Zumi says, while it's possible for her to commit the crime, that's the same for everybody in that group. Kegura then explains what kicks meant on the phone and that it was Chihiro's true dying message. He then decides to explain why Oda was not part of the team he mentions that the one that died, his name was Narita, and all their names are airports. Uh, KIX stands for Kansai's National Airport's three-letter code, which is located in Azumi Sano City, and her name is Azumi Sano. That's Get crazy. <laughs> and this I looked up. It's a one of city. her names. It's her the entire name, her last and first name. As a final piece of proof, Kegger brings up the bloody line on the floor next to her, uh, near the body. It's a mark her skate made when she went to write the bloody S on the wall. Similar marks were found in the hallway, which meant that she didn't notice that her skates that she's currently holding have Chihiro's blood on them. So, checkmate. We actually have conclusive evidence this time, so good on Conan. Not like, hmm, I think it might be you, so I just need a confession right now. Uh, Izumi drops the skates in shock and says the airport locations is what a rich man's daughter would think of as she uses her parents' money to travel the country. Izumi admits to the murder and says it was for Narita. She says Chihiro forced Narita to commit suicide. He was dumped that day by Chihiro, and then he pulled the trigger himself. I told him over and over to forget about a woman like that. Izumi then says it wasn't that he was just dumped. Izumi found out that Chihiro was cheating on Narita with another person. Turns out that Narita had called Izumi while she was homesick. 
and said with a trembling voice that he was betrayed by his best friend, as Chihiro was cheating on him with Oda. And Oda, Oda's like, this bitch crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's essentially what he says. He's like, hey man, she ain't sane. This bitch crazy. If only Oda spoke up, though. And she says, uh, Oda ignored Narita when he asked him about it that day. And Oda says, yeah, it was shameful that uh, I didn't hear what he said because I was too busy looking in the other direction smoking. Uh, so <laughs> right. I didn't hear him. But actually, like, while I was smoking, I was, like, thinking of you being sick in the bed because, like, you're the one I love, not Chihiro. <laughs> Such a cool guy. <laughs> Maybe you shot the wrong person. And, uh... <laughs> Okay, I, I I I think it was partially like the translation being a bit wonky, but let's work our way through this before we get to the very end here. Um, so Chihiro, so okay, Chihiro breaks up with Narita, and he just assumes that she's cheating on him with Oda because he talked to him and he didn't say anything. Like he was just being a cool guy, ignoring him. Is that what happened? Or, like, how does he jump to this conclusion where he's like, oh, well, they were banging? Or were they banging? It makes it sound like... Because I thought they weren't banging. So, no. No. So, uh, Oda was like, no, she's lying. Uh, What's her face? Chihiro made up this lie to make him jealous, I guess? Sorry. So, so you're saying Chihiro is a crazy bitch. Not... Oh, yeah, yeah. The chick. Okay. Not Izumi. I got it confused. Because... Oda and Izumi were dating. The crazed murderer that just shot a woman in a bathroom stall with a shotgun. (laughs) Excuse me for thinking maybe that scene thinks was crazy. (laughs) No, no, no. She's totally within her sane mind, apparently. Okay, so Chihiro (laughs) just, like, said that to make uh, the boyfriend she was dumping jealous, I guess. And uh, when he went to confront Oda, he was just like, I'm trying to smoke, man. (laughs) Also, I'm really worried about my sort of girlfriend. It's really complicated. So, yeah, I think Oda's, like, they're trying to, you know, play up that samurai type that he actually has, like, a heart of gold type of thing going on. Um, So he actually cares about Izumi. But it's a little, I feel like it backfires because, like, couldn't he have just taken a moment to tell Narita, no, that's Chihiro's lying to you right now. Like, nothing's happened. And that would have changed everything. Or maybe, well, hopefully it would have changed everything. And then Narita. he says, maybe you, sh-, and then he says, maybe you shot the wrong person. Is he, she, is he saying that she should have shot him? Uh, yeah, I would interpret it like that. Because Oda okay. could have okay. spoken up. And maybe well, he's too busy smoking. Save Narita. Yeah, that's right. You can't really talk while you have a cigarette in your mouth. He ran off before I could, like, you know, I was smoking the whole cigarette. I didn't get to hell yet, so like, <laughs> she just waited. You should just wait like three minutes. This episode is just so romantic. So uh, Izumi gets arrested. She's being taken away, and she says. Oda, can I trust you again forevermore, no matter how far apart? Oda says, yeah. I'm an annoyingly consistent person. (laughs) Aww. This love story sucked. 
It's just fucking terrible. They're so meant to be. It might be the bad translation, but like, this had no emotional, I guess it was supposed (laughs) to be like this emotional setup, but I saw this like asshole that just like thinks he's too cool to respond to anybody and just sits around smoking (laughs) while I can't look at the fireworks. I like to look away from it. And then he's like, I guess I'll wait for you after your murder charge. I'm annoyingly consistent. I'm going to look the other way now while you get arrested. But he's not going to visit her in prison. I'm not going to visit you, uh, but if you're sick, I might think of you a lot. (laughs) See you in however many years she gets. Did this work for you more than it worked for me, this emotional moment? Uh, no. (laughs) I'm not particularly, but I didn't, uh... I didn't hate it, I guess. Well, hate's a strong word. I I don't have as much of a... I guess I was indifferent to it. After the ending song, Sonica walks back to the car, thinking about what Oda said. Exhausted, she stops and lets out a sigh. Kegura finds it odd that such a young lass is acting like an old man. This causes Sonica to grab Kegura by his tie. And she says, you don't even understand others' feelings. That's why you're divorced. So obviously... Obviously, Oda and Izumi's interaction had a strong impact on Sonico. She's like, this is what true love is. I guess I have to murder somebody for Makoto to finally wait for me. <sighs> Sonico then gets a phone call that she excitedly answers. It's Makoto, who won the winter tournament that he entered at martial arts tourney. And he says there are so many great fighters in the world. And Sonico just calls him stupid and starts to cry. She says, why didn't you call me sooner? I sent you my number two months ago. Makoto apologizes and, and he's like, well, I thought it'd be weird if I called you without anything like important to say. <laughs> he's so stupid, Kali, and he's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> okay, I think that same way too, though. Like... If I don't have anything important to tell somebody, it's almost like, why would they want to hear from me? So I totally get where Makoto's coming from. He then says it's very cold in Japan right now, so she shouldn't be wearing any short skirts. She then instantly cheers up, and she's like, even today I'm wearing a super long one. (laughs) Why are you lying, girl? What? What? Did you think it was like a super... I didn't think it was that short, though. You're calling her a liar? Let's it was like the, a mid-thigh. Let's get, the, <laughs> let's get the Colleen fashion corner here. Break down Sonica's winter outfit. And you're calling her a liar. I feel like it was uh, m- like much longer than what she usually wears, at least. That's actually an interesting point. Because that might have been what Sonica was thinking. Like She's like, oh, compared to what I usually wear, it's I'm wearing a long skirt. But So her winter jacket was very cute, by the way. It had like this kind of fur trim on it and whatnot but it was rather like short like it didn't go to her knee or anything and her skirt matched up perfectly it aligned with the bottom of her coat so i don't know it, it was pretty short um but she probably had like tights on like otherwise she'd be too cold ron then figures out that sonica bought another phone just for makoto and she says a phone for just the two of them I envy them. I really do. 
And then we see a few days later, Ron receives a cell phone from Shinichi as a thanks for the sweater she made. And she quickly starts to cherish it. We see her swinging it around her finger, and then it flies off and it breaks. Nah, it... <laughs> yeah, she really cherished that thing. But yeah, she's real happy she has a cell phone uh, from Shinichi now. How cute. And this is actually, it's not even like one of these throwaway gag things. Like, this is pretty canon, because... Uh... She uses it later. I, I believe so. I believe that's the, the the cell phone that they use together. Alright, so the next Conan's hint is tennis ball. Yeah. Tennis balls, Colleen. I, I'm excited. I like tennis. I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with the game, but here we go. I think we have like a two-hour special next week. Oh, we sure do. It's the 20-year-old... <laughs> murderous intent the symphony serial murder case so maybe it will deal with a, a symphony so musical interest musical instruments and all that what does that have to do with tennis ball well just you wait you'll find out that's the excitement of detective Conan. so colleen what do you think overall about this two-parter you know i always wonder about uh some of these culprits and whether like obviously they have to plan out this their whole murder but do they realize like are they gonna like find witnesses because part of izumi's whole uh plan here was that she was gonna watch the fireworks with somebody and it just happened to be ron so like i I just kind of wonder sometimes like is the plan always to just mingle with some strangers and like get them involved in your alibi but uh obviously for the purposes of the show you have to kind of engage the characters with the the, the culprits so it's, it's just i found that part interesting because her alibi really relied on ron um overall i like the case i'm always a fan of culprits messing with the time event events to create alibis i thought the reverse psychology bit was a really nice twist um and it also meant that kogoro actually was right from the very start um just Slightly, like, he had some of the details wrong, obviously, but uh, that's a win for Kogoro. Uh, it was great that we got some lovesick Sonico, and I'm so, so happy that it worked out for her, and Makoto actually gave her a call at the end. And, of course, uh, I thought the ending scene was just so adorable, and it was a great throwback to the previous set of episodes, because it did uh, mention the sweater that uh, Shinichi got. So yeah, I, I'm a fan of this. It wasn't like the most revolutionary set of episodes we've seen. Uh, definitely seen like uh, this type of trick done better, but I still thought it was entertaining. Yeah, I have some issues with this episode. I thought the whole like, oh, it's a group accident from a year ago. Like that's so overdone. And then I thought like it tried to do an emotional moment at the end, but these two characters were so unlikable that like i don't care about the murder and all that like i don't know. I, I don't care about the romance like like apparently they're like in love but like you I don't they know. barely talk to stupid. one another <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i, I guess i'm annoyingly consistent <laughs> but that dialogue sucks like shut up dude so in the manga yeah. it, he says i'm a stubborn guy so like it makes a little bit more sense, but still, like, why did he say that? <laughs> when she you still suck, 
And then, uh, like the Makoto and Sonico stuff, I thought it was real funny that, like, he just wouldn't call her unless he had, <laughs> like, huge news. He can't just check up on his girlfriend. He waits two months. And I like how she's so stubborn that, like, well, she can't call. You know, it's just their two egos and, like, different ways of thought. Because Sonic is like, well, it wouldn't be ladylike if I called him. He has to approach me. And then he's too stupid <laughs> to just, like, check up on his girlfriend. So there's this huge issue here just from, you know, their two personalities clashing. So I like that a lot. And, you know, of course, Shinichi gives Ron a gift, which we'll see more in the episodes to come. So, yeah, it was a solid episode. I just, some stuff about, like, there was no emotional pull as, like, they tried. Because sometimes that can be really effective, and you're like, oh, he'll wait for her in jail, I guess, when she gets out when she's 70. I'm sure that he'll totally wait. (laughs) Yeah, he's... He's that stubborn, all right. He's gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm never gonna have uh, a, a resourceful. Like, he's never gonna have a rewarding relationship because he's waiting for this psychopath murderer in prison. I'm sure that's totally gonna happen. And but uh, I mean, the whole motive too. Like, okay, they were all friends, but somehow the other two, Misawa, I think, and um, Yoriko, like they didn't feel like this grand vendetta against Chihiro to somehow avenge Narada's death or whatnot. Um, Like, even if they didn't, because obviously Izumi was, I guess, the only one who knew about that. Like, that's the only way I can explain it to myself otherwise, like, because they thought it was an accident, right? And I guess Izumi... Yeah, they thought he was, like, cleaning his gun and it backfired. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that was, like, a weak... They didn't seem like true loves, and, like, they didn't seem like, oh, they were meant to be, and all that. It seemed very tacked on, like, the, uh, oh, I haven't even talked to you this whole episode, but, uh, you're actually my true love, (laughs) and, uh, I'm gonna go smoke and look away from the camera now. (laughs) And not watch the fireworks. Like, okay, dude. And she was the one who wanted to frame him for murder, so, I don't know. I, I, if I were him, that would probably put her down a peg in- my book, but well, he's he's a stubborn guy, Colin. He's annoyingly consistent. <laughs> That's amazing. Nobody talks like that. I talk like this. I'm annoyingly no, consistent. Annoyingly consistent. And this podcast is annoyingly consistent as we bring you a new episode each month. No, each week. <laughs> okay. Imagine how much better my life would be if we only did one episode of like uh, per month. But we also bring three episodes a month to the Patreon. We cover Yaiba, Case Closed, which is the dub, and Magic Kaito. So if you want to get all that, go to patreon.com slash case reopened. You can also support us by checking out our Twitter, twitter.com slash case underscore reopened. We appreciate all the support. And uh, we'll be back next week for that two-hour special, which I'm <laughs> oh, goody. psyched to do notes for. Oh, I'm so sorry, Tyler. I'm sure they're going to be fantastic notes, though, as always. All right. Uh, <laughs> bon voyage. Oh, I like it, because I think uh, next week, or the two-hour special's on a ship, so that makes sense. Bon voyage, everyone. And remember, one truth always prevails.